Welcome to Uncharted Journeys. I'm your host, Kathy McKnight. If you're like me and ever sat back and wondered, how did I get here, whether literally or figuratively, in terms of your career or life in general, then you're in good company and have come to the right place. On Uncharted Journeys, you'll hear from amazing women and their, about their straight and narrow, zigzaggy, or somewhere in between paths to success. Today's guest has 20 years of agency success under her belt. As a servant leader focused female executive, and I want to dig more into that later, uh, she leverages lessons learned during her early days in retail and pioneering SEO. In her current role as the four decades established agency's first female CEO, congrats on that, uh, she focuses on leading manifest in a continual pursuit of better in all that she does. A left-brained thinker, she successfully swims with right-brained creatives on her team to take the agency to new heights through the power of story and its ability to persuade behavior and deeper brand, in- brand experiences. Key to her success is her service leadership style, cupper with empathy that is ever-present, not an easy thing to do. And I'm sure there's a plethora of stories gathered, some of which hopefully she'll share today. Joining us from sunny and warm Arizona, welcome Melissa Buma. Thank you. So happy to be here. And I think that was an amazing tee up. I'm going to have to borrow that from you. <laughs> <laughs> You're very welcome. Um, so first off, congrats agency of the year at content marketing world. You were in great company for competition and pulled it off. So well done you and team. That must've felt really good. A, a great way to, to, to kick off sort of the beginning of the last phase of the year. It did. It did. Thank you. It was really, um, it was really sweet, especially considering that we have been very intentionally focused on trying to be more modern in content and help pave the path for the future of where content goes. That doesn't always resonate with everyone's style of content. So to be recognized at that level meant a lot. And, you know, we, to your point, we're in great company and we're always just humbled to be part of it, to even be recognized as a finalist in the first place. Well, it's uh, well-deserved. So I gave strictly the highlights. I mean, I could have spent our entire conversation just talking about some of the things you've accomplished, but why don't you tell our audience just a little bit more about yourself? Sounds great. Uh, So I am currently the CEO of Manifest, uh, which is the newly named uh, Content Agency of the Year by the Content Marketing Institute. We also are incredibly honored to have won Content Agency Partner of the Year from Digiday. So we're a twice awarded Agency of the Year this year. Um, And we really focused on leveraging content to drive brand transformation because we know content can be that substance and that soul of a brand. For myself, I have been with the agency uh, in some form or fashion since 2009. I actually joined the agency because my search firm, which was an SEO firm, performance marketing was not a term back in that day, um, was acquired. (laughs) We've gone through many, yes. (laughs) Exactly. So that was acquired by this entity in 2009, which led me into the larger agency world and out of the specialty agency world. And I've been evolving with the company ever since. You mentioned a little bit earlier, I actually fell into marketing as a way of leveraging my sales skills. I was in retail as I got out of college. I wasn't entirely sure where I wanted to go. And I knew that fashion was... Um, an interest, a hobby, and something I, you know, wanted, could not afford at the time, but was interested in. Um, so I got into retail, and retail led to retail management, and retail management led into e-commerce strategies, which is how I got into the SEO space. We can talk about this a little bit more, but something that 
has always served me very well was that initial entry into sales, having to really think about the psychology of how you engage an individual and how you can sell them something and help them see it as a way that's going to, you know, better some aspect of their life, which is not easy to do when you're trying to, to sell something, especially high-end luxury, which is where goods, which is where I was. And I think there's always been that element of trying to be to put yourself in the mindset of the person that you're talking to, which is why I think we call it, you know, let's be empathy led that has been helpful and has served me pretty well. Yeah. And it's interesting. So sales is, is something that in the past, I don't know so much anymore, but it certainly had got a bad rap. Like you didn't, Oh, you're in sales, right? That was always the, mm-hmm. and um, those of us who aren't in sales are often, and I find myself in this quickly saying, I'm not a salesperson. I mean, Right. If we're in marketing, if we're in storytelling, we're all salespeople. It's it's part of what right. we do. And certainly I can expound <laughs> exponentially on what we do and how passionate I am about it and what I believe in it. So, you know, you get into that empathy and, and having to take that passion and put it in context for others. I mean, that's the true storytelling, right? Mm-hmm. That's being able to connect. So... It's, um, it's interesting. Yeah. And it's, you saw that early. So uh, kudos to you because, you know, a lot of times it's not easy to make that jump and, you know, the, the being able to say, Oh, I love fashion, but I need to pay my bills. How do I go about being in both spaces? Absolutely. (laughs) I'd say you're both left and right side brained on that one. Yeah, a little bit of that. I think also sales is really, it's less about the, the revenue component of it and more about the the empathy skill set that you're honing and then the persuasive um, skill set that you're honing. How do you show a differentiator of whatever it is that you're speaking about and really convey that to the person that you're talking about? So creatives do it. They don't realize they're doing it. Strategists do it. They may not realize they're doing it. Um, We're always trying to tell our story in a way that causes the person we're talking to to understand where we're coming from and to really have the takeaway that we want them to whether it's agreeing on a decision whether it's coming to compromise or whether it's buying a pair of Louboutins (laughs) oh I like that last one um yes you you started your 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 you know your current career off in sales but what do you what was the first career you remember wanting to do when you grew up because i don't think many of us think oh yes sales that's what i'm going to go go do exactly well i think the first one i remember and i don't even know why because these are these early memories around four or five was i wanted to be an air quotes jewelry girl and at the time i told my parents that that was a woman who wore a lot of jewelry so i we can't even get into the archives of psychology to know what that was but in being having a more mature brain. I know that in high school and in college, I wanted to be a fashion designer. Um, so that, that love of fashion really was rooted in me quite early. Um, I used to sketch during college and that is where I wanted to go. I was diverted in my path a little bit in that I wanted to go to fashion school, uh, post high school and my father, rightly so at this point, although I didn't understand it at the time, said, you know, I appreciate that, but I need you to get a business degree. And then if you still have that appetite for design school post that, I will, you know, we can talk about that and I can help support you there. 
Um, and then that kind of fell away during college as I actually got into economics, thinking about supply, demand, and you can see where the left brain is starting to form. That interest in something that was exciting to me and compelling to me was there, but I was also starting to get to a place where I understood my brain works in a certain way. And my brain works in a way that is more data-driven and analytical. And so I fell into economics. And then as I kind of mentioned, post-college, I wasn't really sure. And I don't think I was fully formed enough to know how to leverage that at my age. So I jumped into retail and sometimes things are meant to be and you will find your way without knowing to where you're going to go. And it led me to a place of, of getting into intelligence, I will say, meaning like data intelligence or strategic intelligence. It sounds like your dad was a pretty big influencer in your life. Was he the first one? I mean, if you were going to be a jewelry girl, I'm, I'm <laughs> suspecting that there maybe was a fashion designer or somebody who really caught your eye. Yeah. But who was the, big, the first big influencer in your life that you remember? Yeah, I will say I think it was my dad. My dad it was absolutely amazing. He was someone who worked really hard to move himself um, from, you know, a, a tougher upbringing into a place where, you know, he was able to serve his family in the way that he wanted to. And he absolutely, and he had two girls. They come from an all-girl family. And he was the first one that instilled in me, you can do whatever you want to do. You can be whatever you want to be. I want you to find love. I want you to find a family. I do not want you to feel like you have to go down the road of um, not pursuing a career because that wasn't as prevalent as I was growing up. And he really instilled in me, you know, let's focus on academics. Let's focus on ambition. Let's focus on all of those things. Hence his, you know, interest in me pursuing a more traditional degree, which I think today there's more room to do things differently. Um, but as, you know, as we all were, when we're growing up at different points in our life, the outside world doesn't accept those things and didn't accept those things as readily, you know, in the time that I was growing up. So he was the one who, and I really instilled in me, you can be absolutely anything you want to be, especially as a woman. And I am absolutely going to make sure that that happens. That's fantastic to have that kind yeah. of support. Now, I have to ask, does he come from a family with sisters or did he have brothers? Uh, so he had two sisters and one brother and a very strong mother. So my grandma was like the matriarch of our family. Uh, yeah, to, to know how to navigate two daughters. <laughs> um, yes, he, he, he'd have to have had a strong female influence. So that's where I was curious. <laughs> yes, yes. Yes, you hit the nail on the head, and it's true. <laughs> often, um, music is a strong influence in our lives, and, and often there's something that, that we don't not sure why, but something that sticks with us. Is there a song right now that really energizes you, or maybe a song that epitomizes your career path, something that, you, that really resonates? I think when you ask that question, you'll automatically go in your brain to just which one of my favorite songs, right? Because to your point, there's some underlying reason why it's one of your favorite songs. One of my favorite songs is Michael Jackson's Man in the Mirror. Um, so there's probably something that resonates there around the fact that one, you know, product of the 80s, uh, and two, that there's looking at yourself and trying to change yourself before you can change anyone else around you. 
It's a really good song, actually. I hadn't thought about that one in a really long time. I remember when it came out, though, thinking about the the impact of that. Yeah, um, yeah. It's a great song. I don't, it really is. People don't play it enough, right? No, I totally agree. I, I'm not a huge Michael Jackson fan. I respect on what he did and the impact on music. I mean, he changed the way music is made. Mm-hmm. But there's just certain songs, whether you're a fan or not of the artists, that you, you have to admit. Absolutely, to, yeah. I think, yeah. That, I think that's one of them, so... Well done. Good choice. Yeah, I think maybe to your point, maybe more of the lyrics of that song and yeah. the, um, you know, where that person ended up going, which is probably <laughs> exactly not what we want to highlight. <laughs> no, no, let's let's move on. So street name. If your career was an actual road, what would it be called? That question absolutely exposes my ignorance of street names. Um, so maybe we'll just make up a street name. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I, maybe we would say that we live on Servant Leadership Road then just because you brought it up earlier. But when I think about my, you know, my journey and my progress, something that I try really hard to make sure is always part of my line of thinking or the way that I like try to assess decisions is, is this serving others? Um, is this serving the team? Is this serving my clients? Um, is this serving the business? Um, and thinking about that, that's really what drives me and motivates me is I just absolutely am in love, you know, with the team that I serve at Manifest and around me. And so thinking about how we can continue to create spaces where people can be successful, be creative, feel challenged and feel fulfilled. So that's probably the most important thing to me in my career is that that doesn't ever go away or change. I don't think it will because it's part of the way that, you know, I hope to lead and continue, or I try to lead and then also hope to continue to lead. But it's probably the worst name road you've ever heard, but that would be <laughs> Not it. at all. Absolutely <laughs> not at all. So as I mentioned, not everybody's probably familiar with the term um, servant leadership. So maybe we can start there where you came across it, how you felt, like why it resonates with you and how you've incorporated it into to your leadership style. Yeah, that's actually a really great question because I stumbled across it and I believe in the 2000s. I was a post from, I want to say, I could be wrong here, but it was an executive possibly at Walmart, but one of the larger name brands that was talking about servant leadership. And there, for me, I hadn't heard it coined that way before. I didn't recognize that it was anything that was already starting to form. But I think the the phraseology of servant leadership just led me to like say, what is this? I come from an SEO background. So of course, my first place of entertaining that would be Google and started to kind of get into the idea of what uh, this style of leadership is, which is not to be on top of anything, um, but to really think about how can I use my platform, whether it's leading an agency or honestly for me, leading a team, leading an account, or even just leading a, a campaign, if you will, to a place of just serving others um, and helping others to achieve what they want to achieve. And when the collective does that, typically we're coming from a place of selflessness. And when we come from a place of selflessness, there's more collaboration, trust is built. I mean, that's huge. I think for any culture these days, you really have to focus on building and earning trust. And once we have that with each other, it is easier to go through any kind of conflict. 
Um, and so if it were some of those tenants that just stuck with me. It felt right. And I didn't recognize it at the time. I, I recognize it now, but I knew that my style was different than that of my mentors and of my, you know, leadership that I have served underneath of, which was a little bit more, I don't want to say aggressive, I'll say assertive in tone, right? And more of standing on top of, and that has just never felt like me. Um, so I think about it all the time and have some of that imposter syndrome all the time. Can you continue to grow and lead from a place of not having, you know, being as self-serving as you might, others might be or might perceive to be. And I just, I feel really happy and um, encouraged and honored that we are doing it and it is working and kindness and <laughs> empathy can actually also be financially successful. And I'm really, really honored to be able to say that and to be one of the people to say that you can have a very solid executive growth oriented career and you can do it without and, and keep your ethics and morals in place. So it's interesting. So as I mentioned, uh, you know, 20 episodes into Uncharted Journeys, and it has been just this amazing privilege for me to be able to speak with amazing women like yourself. And one of the things that I hear over and over again is this term empathy and leadership. Mm -hmm. And empathy doesn't, you know, sometimes when we think empathy, we think soft, we think acquiescence, we think, you know, not, um, not standing up for ourselves, but it, it doesn't have to be that way. You know, um, Absolutely. you can be empathetic and firm, you can be empathetic and directive. Um, it's just a different way of approaching it. And I love the fact that, you know, you weren't even aware that this was a thing, but you were already doing it right. and being able, right. sometimes being able to put, um, put parameters around it to, to, to understand that, oh, it's not just me really enables us to lean into it and, and follow that gut instinct. Right. If you think about what empathy actually is to your point, it is not a, a posture and it's not being soft. It's taking yourself and trying to fully immerse yourself in the other person's position. How do they feel? What is the context? How did they get there? What are some of the influences? Once you put yourself in their position, it's easier to find compromise or alignment or agreement because you understand all of the other influences on them. It doesn't mean that the outcome is one of conforming to what they want. It means you understand why they're behaving, acting, or or you're trying to understand why they're behaving or acting a certain way so that you guys can find the right solution together. To me, that's empathy. It's not, and you can do that in a um, assertive way because at the end of the day, you still have to make decisions that you, with with all of the information that you have. With empathy, you have more information to make that decision off of. Yeah, and it's, you know, I learn something every time I have one of these conversations. One of my go-tos is um, seek first to understand. And mm -hmm. I had, we've all, I think, probably had something that's really resonated in our careers. One of the the most, I think, impactful books I've ever read, and it's so simple and small, and I, I probably should have bought stock because I've given it to 
probably 50 people over the years, um, <laughs> is the four agreements by uh, Don Miguel Ruiz, who, you know, he talks about being impeccable with your word, about not taking things personally, um, always be your best, and don't make assumptions. And it was that don't make assumptions that really, really changed me as, mm-hmm. as a person. Because when you when you don't assume, when you you really seek to understand, be empathetic and and understand the why. I love the way you said that, understand the why. It makes all of the difference. So I'm, I'm wondering, you know, so you said you, 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 you came across this at a, you know, at a, when you heard someone speak or were interacting with somebody and it really clicked with you. How has that guided your career? What's your career journey been like? Not just necessarily in lights of that, but it sounds like that's something that you you come back to. It's your touchstone where maybe sometimes we mm-hmm. stray, but we come back to things that set us straight and, and move us forward. Mm-hmm. So what's your what's the journey look like? I mean, you've been in agency pretty much your entire career, but as I mm-hmm. mentioned in my intro, you probably have a lot of great stories, many of which we probably shouldn't share on the podcast, more meant for <laughs> a glass of wine. Um, but share a little bit about how you got to where you are today. Sure. I think um, one of the reasons that that has kind of resonated with me and has been part of the through line of my career is I've heard other people describe myself as a dot connector, able to kind of see the connection between either situations, people, opportunities that may not be as clear. And I think that really does come from, you know, trying to empathize with everyone and understand where they're coming from. And I think that element of you know, being an air quotes dot connector has kind of led me on this atypical journey, right? Because there's, it's very different to go from retail to services sales, right? To creative leadership and agency management. I think one of the things that has kind of brought me through that has been not being afraid to jump in and try to just understand what's happening from everyone that I'm working with, teach myself things that I don't understand, and then figure out, take all of the information around me to make the best decision possible. And so that's kind of been something that's been consistent throughout the career. But I think I started with the conversation around, you know, I was in retail sales. Uh, At one point I was leading a boutique chain that had a really strong e-commerce presence in the early 2000s when SEO was budding. And so myself and the web developer taught ourselves SEO, which we were fortunate enough at the time meant using the keyword tags category and you were up on top because not many people were doing that. And as it became more difficult to optimize the website, we started just teaching ourselves and learning a little bit about SEO. That was my first moment, I think, inflection moment where I realized that I had other interests um, that tended to be different than what I thought I was interested in. And so as I was growing and thinking about what came next for me, I felt for myself like there was going to be a cap in the retail world and I knew I wanted to step out of it. So using that kind of like budding interest in SEO, I reached out to uh, an SEO firm that was local and tried to get myself a job and they didn't get back to me. And I remember one of the things that I did that I still can't actually believe that I did, but I'm pretty proud of myself was 
I put on a suit. I didn't realize at the time that in digital marketing, it was not a suit type of gig. I just figured it was corporate and that everyone was wearing a suit. And I walked my resume into the company um, without a, any kind of appointment. And I sat there until they came and took it from me. Um, and they felt like there was probably a little something in me that was a bit of a go-getter and that maybe they should take a chance on a conversation. So I ended up joining the firm and put myself in a position to be able to lead the sales team and then ultimately was leading the firm as president and then had some ownership stake in it when it was sold to one of the entities that founded Manifest, moved in with the acquisition to Manifest and was leading the search team, which led to leading the digital marketing team and then the data and digital marketing team. And then from there, it's on my LinkedIn. I ended up kind of just evolving my way through the ranks and I'm really humbled to be leading the agency today. So it's been one of teaching myself new things, not being afraid to take on areas that I'm maybe not classically trained in. Um, but a lot of times you can ask the right questions, understand again why people are doing things the way that they're doing them. And while I'm not a traditionally um, tenured strategist, I think I can put together a really solid brief, to be honest with you. Um, <laughs> and I've kind of been self-taught along the way, if you will. So you know that that's, that, that's the career. <laughs> which is, my gosh, so amazing. I love, I love the tenacity. Um, now, you live in Arizona now. Where did you grow up? I grew up in L.A., um, and I live in Arizona now. I spend a lot of time in airports because we are headquartered in New York. So I kind of think of myself as bi-coastal. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm trying to think because I'm thinking, you know, everybody I've met from Arizona, um, pretty laid back, pretty chill. And I'm thinking, okay, that tenacity, there's no way, no offense to Arizonians, if that's what they're called. Um, but I'm thinking, yeah, I was thinking either LA or New York hustle, right? Like yes. it's that. You've that got Pittsburgh. it. You hit the nail on the. <laughs> yep. Grew up in LA. Um, and again, now you're starting to put the story together with uh, a self-made father who had two young girls that he was really trying to arm for possibly remaining in LA. I ended up getting to Arizona because my husband's in real estate and the market in the early 2000s led us to Arizona. Um, but I will always be, you know, a larger city individual at heart. Like yeah. I, I love my time in New York and Chicago and DC. Yes. Yes. I'm actually heading to LA on, uh, on Monday. So, um, you have any good recommendations? Although it sounds like you've been in uh. Arizona for a while. <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. Well, at this point in my life, when I get there, I'm just like, oh, the traffic and the this. But there's also something that you can kind of feel deep in your DNA when you get into that traffic. Suddenly, I am such an assertive driver, whereas when I'm in Arizona, I'm just cruising. <laughs> so there's got to be, you know, being you were president previously of, of the organization you were with when when Manifest acquired you. And now you've you're CEO of a, of, of a much larger differentiated agency. What does your current role look like? What is it that makes you want to get up in the morning? Some of the challenges, mm -hmm. maybe you're finding different compromises now a little later on in your career, different stage of life, but also, I mean, the world has changed so much over the last three years. Mm -hmm. You know, what is, what does today look like for you? 
such a good question. I mean, it's, I think the, the first answer to one of your first questions, which is what gets you up in the morning really comes in the breadth of the role and all of the different places, you know, some meetings are operational, many meetings are financial, many are growth oriented, some are specialty in certain uh, skill sets or depth like performance marketing. And I think it is that variety of being able to see where can I be supportive, where can I help lead or give advice or jump in and actually help with solution that gets me up in the morning. I mean, the day is absolutely never the same. Um, and I never know what is coming at me. And sometimes I sit back at the end of the day and these are these conversations that are better for a glass of wine and think like, did I really just do that thing today? And it just shocks me. And I tell my husband that and he just smiles and he's like, yeah, he did. Um, so that is something that I love. And, and it's, it is interesting in this role that you are everywhere, right? You truly are. You are more of a generalist, whereas my upbringing was one of specialty. It was deep into algorithms and data and analysis. And now I'm thinking macro. So it went from micro to macro, and that has been a shift um, that took some getting used to, but I absolutely love it at this point. I love being able to think about just applying similar principle. And I, I say I think about it, but it happens without thinking, right? I end up applying similar principles of assess, find out why, think about what we're trying to get to, think about all of the options we have in front of us, and then make the best decision possible. Um, so that is something that gets me up in the morning. And I, I love the leadership role. I never saw myself in it. I didn't expect to be sitting in this chair. I feel very honored to be sitting in this chair, but it wasn't on the conscious path. It was something that ended up being part of my path. And each time that an opportunity came my way, I did have a little bit of that imposter syndrome. You know, am I well suited for this? And asking myself that, and one of the reasons I've continued to pursue those roles is I, I think that that I have the right intentions for everybody. And I think it's the fear of someone else's intentions, maybe not being um, in line with where I'm hoping that our agency will go, that give me that courage boost to step into something that's uncomfortable. Taking that step into being uncomfortable, I guess the saying is, you know, get comfortable with being uncomfortable. Um, you know, for a lot of people, that just, it doesn't work. They, as much as they mm -hmm. might want to do something, um, it's just too far outside their comfort zone um, or their bailiwick, not to overuse comfort. Uh, and it's, I love the way that you put it, that you reflected, that you looked at, am I the right person for the role? Not, can I do this role? Not, do I have the skill set? Because there's very little that we as, as humans and as, as driven individuals, left-brainers as, as I am very much like you, that we can't learn, that we can't put our heads to and, and figure it out. But reflecting right. and asking, am I the right person for this role? Am I going to serve the team the way they need to be served and supported? And um, it sounds like you pretty much ascribe to the high tides rise all ships. So I, I mm -hmm. love that. But mm -hmm. to, to consciously reflect that on such an amazing opportunity 
putting others ahead of your comfort and ahead of your, you know, is this something that, you know, is right for me, but like, will I do my, the best job for them? I, it's such mm -hmm. a different way of looking at it. Yeah. Yeah. Some of the things I think you, you ask yourself subconsciously, right. Until you have conversations like these, you don't recognize that you're doing <laughs> exactly. it. Um, and so, and that might be kind of, and by the way, I took two semesters of psychology in um, college. And so never, 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 lost the passion for that. But I was going to say, that might be why when you asked me questions like, okay, what was exciting to you about servant leadership? I didn't know at the time, but because that might be just a little bit about how I'm hardwired, that's probably why there was some resonance in that when I heard someone speaking about it. So if you weren't leading this amazing agency and, and making the world a better storytelling place, what do you think you would be be doing? Would you be that jewelry girl or is there something else that, <laughs> that you think about that, you know, as, as we get into our, you know, third decades of, of career, yeah. we start thinking about what's next. So if yes. you weren't doing what you were doing, what would it be? I think that I would definitely be doing something that involved people and leading and working with people. I also could see myself maybe not being in the jewelry world or the fashion world, but I could see myself in some sort of design or real estate world because that's just another interest of mine. I love real estate. I love paying attention to the market. I love watching trends specifically in interior design. So I could have seen myself kind of fall into that. You know, I, I always ask myself as to your point, we tend to do as we self-evaluate, you know, would I see myself in an entrepreneurial role? Um, I think that that could be something, you know, maybe far off into the future that holds for me as well, being able to say, okay, it's time to test my, my skills and see what I can really do fully solo, if you will. But I feel incredibly fulfilled where I am right now. I'm excited about the next chapter of where I'm going, but I do like that question. I am in um, a woman's executive group. And from time to time, we do some exercises where we think about what's coming next, right? And it kind of forces you to write things down. And in one of our last sessions, we did an exercise on what is that next step of your career? And I started to think about for myself, what I really want to focus on. And for me, it's going to be thinking, starting to chart out that journey for myself. I have been able to ride a lot of waves um, and surf them. And I think it's, it's fared me well. I want to also make sure that I'm taking charge of what waves those are. And that's what I'm thinking about. I have no idea what that means or where I'll go next. Um, I do know that I want to have a lot of ownership though of that future. Well, I have no doubt that that will happen and um, that you will be uber successful again moving forward. So for our listeners, particularly the women in our audience, what would be your best piece of advice, life, career, success, happiness, anything you'd like to share? I think one of the pieces of advice that I have that I think is right and I just remind myself all of the time which is to try our best not to immediately react, to really think, take the time to think about a response, think about the way you engage someone, think about what you're going to do. And that does not mean that there's not times where you have to be really action-oriented and decisive. That needs to happen too. But I think that 
post pandemic <laughs> and as women we tend to have immediate thoughts and especially when you're as outspoken as someone like me you just want to say them right away and i think that's that extra moment to really think about let me think about the conversation the output you know the decision i'm looking for and to not always immediately react is a good one um i would also say don't it's it's easy to say don't be afraid you will be afraid but you can also do something when you're afraid. So I think it's about going and taking on new challenges and if it doesn't work, learning from them, asking for the raise that you want. And as that left-brained individual, I would recommend that you bring a business case as to why you deserve it and why you've already achieved it. Um, but really stepping out into what you want um, and knowing that it's okay to be afraid. We're all afraid. I think I've mentioned imposter syndrome two or three times during this conversation, it is okay, but we can't let that own us. Um, it's a syndrome for a reason. So. Yeah. I, I, that is, there isn't better advice because there's not a conversation that I've had where it either hasn't been said or inferred that we all go through imposter syndrome and people are amazed. I mean, I'm sure you get it as well. How is it as a CEO of a major agency with all of your experience and expertise? How could you possibly be experiencing that? But I think it's it's normal and to a certain degree, it's probably healthy. Uh, it I keeps our so ego too. in check. <laughs> right? Yes. And it helps us think about where do we need to grow to, exactly. to let go of that. Yeah. I couldn't agree with you more. Is there any place our audience can find you? Are you doing any events or social or, or um, other podcasts? Sure. So I think the best place right now would be on just the manifest.com website. We also have this lovely community that we have been developing over the course of the last year on LinkedIn called Creative Pushups, which oh, is a that. forum for the creative community agencies, brand creatives, um, entrepreneurial creatives. And it's just this community where we're providing exercises to kind of help flex the creative muscle. I love it because it is intentionally something that brings together competitive groups and it aligns us with we're all creative beings. And if we can just exercise our craft together, I think it also levels that, it, it creates more of that empathy, right? We remember right. that we do the same thing. And just because we might vie for the same client at the end of the day, um, we share a common interest. I think that's probably one of the things that we're doing right now that's most exciting to me. It's on LinkedIn, it's called Creative Pushups by Manifest. All right, I will absolutely check that out and put it in the link of the show notes. Melissa, thank you so much for today's conversation. Um, your journey that has been fueled by empathy and left brain practicality uh, for me is so inspiring. Uh, from retail to SEO pioneer to CEO of an award-winning agency, um, so amazing. Uh, to my audience, thank you for listening to Uncharted Journeys with me, your host, Kathy McKnight. I hope you enjoyed my conversation with Melissa. And if you're keen to hear more amazing stories from other amazing women, you can head over to unchartedjourneys.net to sign up for our email list, as well as check out the links and resources in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. See you next time. And until then, enjoy the journey. Yeah,